alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Hello and welcome to the 92nd annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody and I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. I'm very tired today, but that was my own fault because I did not get enough sleep last night. And uh, you are on the last day of your, I don't know, what do you call it, Christmas, New Year's vacation? Yes. Yep. Today was the final day. Uh, we were given this day because New Year's Day was on a Friday. So they pushed it back to Monday. So tomorrow, Tuesday, first day back at work. So I actually, I don't know. I haven't really talked to many humans like face to face since I've uh, since I've been away from work. So just kind of been hanging out at home. You know what's funny, actually, one of my coworkers, we were talking about the suicide bomber, right? Yes. And she's like, "Oh, I heard he was into that like lizard people thing." And I'm like, "Look, as someone who's deeply involved in the conspiracy world, when you are." The 5G, Adrenochrome, QAnon thing. The reptilian thing is just like a baseline. That's just to be expected, you believe in that. The 5G is the more over-the-top thing, I guess. Or the, you know what I mean? Like, you just kind of expect those people to believe in that. Definitely. That's kind of like someone who believes in the round earth theory also believing in gravity. Right. You just expect. You just expect them to believe in gravity. (laughs) Oh, I know a hot-button topic we can mention today. How about that phone call from uh, Mr. Trump? I did not hear oh, you did that not. phone call. Okay, well, they really, they released a thing. It was, it's literally Donald Trump calling the Secretary of State for Georgia and, like, telling him basically to find him 12,000 votes. Really? Yeah, they have it on tape and everything. It's yikes. Wow. I mean, from him, though, nobody's surprised. I mean... It's illegal as fuck. He didn't even have like a lackey do it. He got on the phone himself and said, hey, I want you. After he's talked so much about cheating in this election, he blatantly says, I want you to find me votes. Uh, basically, I haven't listened to it like verbatim, but yeah, it was I. it must have just happened either last night, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can listen to the phone call. It's he's now suing the secretary of state in Georgia, apparently, or something. Uh, Who knows? He's so crazy. That's just what he does. For listening to him try to cheat, he's suing the secretary of state of Georgia. Or probably for leaking. For leaking Leaking it, yeah. (laughs) The other funny thing I I heard, I don't know if this is true or not, but the police tear-gassed and rubber-bulleted the uh, Proud Boys um, (laughs) Uh on the tables of turn. The Boogaloo Boys are not going to be happy with that. Yeah, they actually... They slam their hot pockets down on it. So, uh, <laughs> as far as I know... Okay, so today's the 4th. This won't be coming out till I think, like, the 8th or 9th. But uh, on the 6th, 
I believe they're all supposed to be meeting in Washington, D.C., if I remember right. Mm. So we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. We've got two days from now. So we'll see, uh, we'll see if they get more rubber bullets in their ass. <laughs> well, if they're I, I don't know. It's just I we're hoping 2021 is uh, is uh, going to be a better year. But I feel like there's going to be a little bit of uh, a shit streak left over from 2020 to start out 2021. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't expect things to just automatically get better on January 1st. There's definitely going to be a bulge of sewage that, you know, leaks into this year, I would say. But anything compared to 2020, like everyone was talking about how shitty 2019 was. 2019 was fucking paradise compared to last year. So it has to be better. There's, I mean, unless aliens invade and start destroying cities, there's no way it's going to be worse. Dude, did you, I saw a meme today. It was basically like aliens. We've invaded your planet and we have took over and destroyed all of your leaders. And then the next line from him is like, oh, awesome. N- nice job. And then the next line's like aliens. The alien's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I've seen some pretty funny memes about this yeah. shit. And it was people, people basically just hoping for an alien invasion just to get their minds off of COVID. Pretty sure alien invasion is going to be much worse than COVID, but... I don't know. It depends. You'll have to see on CNN which one gets more ad rev. True. True. Uh, Final thing before we dive in here. I have one prudent question for you. Is your seasonal depression about to kick in now that the college football is over? Um, There is one more game of it. We do have the the big final Ohio State versus uh, what is Alabama. But yeah, I mean, I could it's I don't really get seasonal depression living here. So <laughs> well, that was like the joke, do. Phil. Yeah, I know. It's uh, I, I'm gonna miss it. I mean, we have what do we have? Uh, college basketball still. Mm. So it's, if right. you watch that, you can still watch that. Right. For I basketball, about I don't that. really pay attention. What's that? that? I always forget about that because I'm not yeah. a big basketball fan myself. It's kind of like people with baseball. They say, "Oh, we got baseball starting soon," and I'm like, "I don't even know when the fuck it starts or finishes." So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of a it's a good thing to watch without watching and doing other things. Phil, I'm gonna let you take the reins. Take us on a journey. All right. Well, I kind of want to do a little bit of a different, maybe even a series that I'm gonna do, kind of like a, a few people, kind of some important little notes here. So we've talked about it before: the race for Africa. A lot of colonization that happened in the 1800s of the continent of Africa. Uh, One of the countries that was taken over by the British Empire, well, more like a scattering of kingdoms that they turned into a country, was Uganda. Have you ever heard or do you know on the map where Uganda is? I know it's in in Central Africa, right? Yes. Yep. It's on the border of Tanzania, the Sudan. I believe it's the South Sudan now, Kenya, and a few other countries out there. It's in East Central Africa. Okay. All right. I don't know that much about it, but uh, I know the British colonization. Here's a question I don't really know. Uh, Forgive my ignorance, but was it like the royalty's decision to start colonizing everywhere? So what happened at first was there were all of these little, every country had a corporation, or a contract with a company. There was like the East India Company, there was the West Indies, everything like that. They basically, for these countries, went in and ran 
these colonies for them up until England would just decide, well, we can just run these countries for ourselves. So they disbanded those corporations and took full ownership of these colonies. So it started off almost like, imagine if Walmart owned a state. Like imagine if Walmart just went in and decided they were going to run Texas. And it was, you know, everything in Texas was going into like Walmart's coffers and then it would get distributed to the, you know, the kings and the the royalty, all of the benefactors, you know. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, I guarantee you Walmart wishes they could do that. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, and then they, I mean, talk about fucking sweetheart deals with really the whole system that was going on that is called mercantilism. The whole system was just a, a sweetheart deal for all of the, the lords and the, the dukes and everyone who had money invested in those companies. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I always kind of wondered and now I know. Yeah. So Uganda really, it was mostly just a area that was kind of controlled by smaller kingdoms. The most important kingdom was the Bugundi kingdom. And that's kind of what makes up really for the whole colonial times, the regional power. Well, the not, the colonial power was obviously in charge, but if you were on the ground in the colony, you would still be talking to your, like the, the kings and queens of the regions, the chiefs, and the Bugundi king was the most important throughout the time. Gotcha. Okay. So I am going to go into a tiny bit of history on three very important people in this country. One of those men is Idi Amin, now born around the year 1925 in the northern region of Uganda in the Kaboko district. That makes up Uganda's border with Sudan and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, he was born in the city of Koboko. Now, I wasn't able to find the names of Idi Amman's parents, but definitely what I did find a few different places, his mother and father split up very soon after his birth, with his mother taking Idi Amman away from Koboko early on in his childhood. Okay, all right. At the time of his birth, Uganda, like I mentioned before, was a colony of the British Empire. And in 1946, Idi Amman would join the KAR, or King's African Rifles. There's going to be a lot of these acronyms in this, so I'll try to explain it every time. So rising quickly through the ranks of the King's African Rifles, the regiment of the British Colonial Army, he would gain a reputation as a strongman in the unit. Amman would himself be deployed to fight the Shifta rebels of Somalia in 1949 and the, I'm going to say this completely wrong, Mwa Mwa Rebellion in Kenya, M-A-U-M-A-U, Mwa Mwa Rebellion in Kenya in the early 1950s. In 1959, Idi Amman would receive the rank of Effende, which was the highest rank that an African soldier in the KAR could receive. When I saw King's African Rifles, I thought that was a rebel group, but that was like a legitimate British Army regiment. Yes. Yep. It was uh, of their, the colonial army, which was their non, basically non-English people. So the English people made up the main army and then all of their colonial people, everyone in Africa, India, all over the world made up their colonial army. He was in the King's African Rifles, okay. which was a part of that colonial army. Interesting. Okay. <clears throat> Did not, I've never heard of that before. 
Yeah. So the for the colonial army, I mean, they're very fought very famous wars all over the earth, obviously, for the British. Some of the most famous were the Australian fighters during World War II, who were considered, we mentioned it before in a few episodes, the Australians were kind of the most feared of the Allied fighters in World War II. When I did cover that one serial killer, I'm bummed about I I hmm. remember the, we talked a lot about the Australian army. The killer was an American soldier, but they were there assisting the African allies, I believe. Or I'm sorry, Australian Australia. allies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Assisting yeah. the British and the Australians repelling the, the Japanese empire. I remember that episode. Yes, yes. Yeah. So Idi Amman was known for being a very large and very imposing man. And during his time in the KAR, Idi Amman participated in boxing and, in fact, was the Ugandan light heavyweight champion between 1951 and 1960s. He was at the time six foot four inches tall. And he also made for a very strong forward on the rugby field. Uh, though a fellow officer did say of Idi Amman that Idi Amman is a splendid type and a good player, uh, he, rugby player, but virtually bone from the neck up and needs things explained in words of one letter. <laughs> I uh, love that insult, dude. Not very. He's saying basically he's just a big dumb jock. Not mm. very high praise of his mental abilities. Gotcha. So he's basically made to be a goon, kind of. Yes, he is a goon. I mean, it's amazing that he made it as far as he did. But some people who steered him towards where he would go may have realized that he could be high, like very manipulated if they put this goon in charge of the country. So. Gotcha. Okay. I, I've never heard the insult virtually bone from the neck up, but uh, that's great. That's a that's a great roast. Yeah, I that might be maybe a regional insult, but I might start adopting it. It's pretty good. I got I, a lot of people probably wouldn't even pick up on what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> what well, makes it effective? <laughs> if they were if they were bone from the neck up, they totally wouldn't be able to figure out what you're talking about. <laughs> so in 1962. Uganda gained independence from the British Empire, though it would remain a British Commonwealth state in the Commonwealth system. A man named Milton Abode would become the Prime Minister of Uganda in 1962 after its independence, and this would be until 1966 that he would serve as Prime Minister when he would become the President until 1971. Now, after independence, Obodi had made a deal with the king of uh, Burgundy. The king of Burgundy became basically like the ceremonial president of the country. So he became the head, even though he wasn't actually any, he didn't actually have any power as the president. Okay, so what, he was just there as like a, what, figure face president or what? Kind of like the queen of England, kind gotcha. of just like a figurehead. So he just has a lot of hats. Yeah, exactly. He's king <laughs> and president. You know, he's super special dude. Doesn't have a day job, exactly. So, gotcha. Okay. Besides his royal duties or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. they claim to do. Yeah, harvesting adrenochrome. Exactly. So the reason why a Bodhi would take over in 1966 was because in 1965, Milton Abodi and Idi Amman were implicated in an illegal operation to smuggle gold and ivory into Uganda from rebels of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the DRC. 
And this was in a deal to trade those smuggled goods for arms so that those rebels could overthrow the government in the DRC. Uh, so in response to all of this happening, pressure came for an investigation by Uganda's parliament, and Milton Abode decided to write up a new constitution and seize the presidency in 1966, taking total power for himself. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you know, a corrupt prime minister is going to not want to let go of his power, I suppose. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, when you have a country like the United States, 200 years of traditions, laws, strong constitutions, everything strong base, you're not going to have something like this happen. When you have a country that's literally three years old at this point, shit like that's going to happen. So right. He literally just wrote up a new constitution and said, everything's mine. And as long as you got the power of the military behind you, it's all good. Well, I can tell you there is probably one in- individual <laughs> that we yeah. know that would love to do this right now. Goddamn Obama. Of course. <laughs> I on the he, fucking tried. he tried. He <laughs> tried. No, he was so happy to get the fuck out of there. Milton Obodi was born at Akora Kora village in the Apok district in northern Uganda. He was the third born of nine children to the tribal chief of the Awima clan of the Lango ethnic group. So the Lango ethnic group, you're going to hear about them a few more times during this episode uh, for some of the things that happened to them. Okay. Milton Abodi would go on to study law abroad outside of Uganda in the country of Kenya before returning to Uganda in 1956 and joining the Uganda National Congress. And in 1957, he would be elected to the Colonial Legislative Council. That was before independence. So one of the big things about Milton Abode is during his time in school, he really got into the independence movement and even got kicked out of his undergraduate program because he was taking part in protests and strikes. Gotcha. Okay. When he went abroad and studied law, he kind of gained up his knowledge and his skills in order to come back and fight for independence. Okay, but doesn't it seem like he did something really bad eventually? Yes, he did. But this was still when he had the really good intention. Okay, this I was, was going to say... This was, this was 10 years before he took power, so... Okay, I was going to say, it seems like these don't seem like bad things, but he does something really bad eventually. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the whole good intentions and leading to evil, mm, you know, yeah. thing. It kind of happens with all of these people. Everyone has really good intentions when they start out. And then they start getting the power and they start seeing how things are really run. And then you kind of turn into the enemy that you're fighting. Right. You're right. Uh, are you going to say all of these people, you should use the D word, right? All of these uh, dictators. Well, I mean, yeah, they're all dictators. All three of these people are going to be dictators. But I mean, at this point, he's not a dictator yet. I'm just getting into his dictatorship. So. Right. He's like uh, Barry Sotero when he went to that college in Chicago. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think he went to Occidental and then a few other Harvard and a few other ones. But, oh, OK. Yeah. So for the next four years, Milton Abode would slowly begin moving his country to the left. This was away from where his previous Western allies wanted him to go, especially when he began nationalizing foreign-owned businesses, which obviously in the capitalist system is a big fucking no-no. Mm-hmm. This is when Abodi's Western opposition began grooming the young Idi Amman for the presidency, mm-hmm. 
taking the reins of Uganda and steering them away from communism. Okay. Does this not sound kind of like a Putin thing? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole Putin strong. The thing is, Putin's not bone from the neck up. He's, uh, I mean, he's kind of known as like a intimidating fighter type dude, but he's also really smart. So, mm, okay. But he was groomed as well, right? By uh, what's his name? Yeltsin? Yes. Yeltsin at Yeltsin. the time. Yeah. So after the fall of the Soviet Union, he kind of found himself working in the system and somebody kind of like brought him up from obscurity and raised him up and then he ended up taking over. So yeah, exactly though. The thing is about Milton Abode, at first him and Idi Amman were allies, but then they quickly, that soured when it came out pretty much that Idi Amman was being groomed to take his spot. Gotcha. Okay. On the 25th of January, 1971, while President Milton Abode was attending a Commonwealth summit meeting in Singapore, Idi Amman would take power of the country of Uganda. And this is when the now former President Abode believed that Idi Amman had misappropriated military funds after he had been promoted commander of the Ugandan military in 1970. So he basically took power when the president was on his little vacation. Yeah, so the when the president <laughs> went to the Commonwealth Summit, which is obviously all of the British Commonwealth countries meet every year in a big summit, when President Abode was on this summit, Amman basically decided that was his time to strike and took power. Have you ever considered doing this at work? No, when I have your boss, not. When your boss goes on vacation, just say, all right, I'm in charge now. <laughs> all right. All right, boys, I'm in charge now. Yeah. First order of business, lock the gates. So we can't... <laughs> We're not letting yeah. that bastard back in here. <laughs> yeah, the biggest thing is he sees power after he was accused of misappropriating military funds so after he had gotten into like he was about to be in trouble and that's when he decided well i either take over this bitch or i have to leave so that's what he did he yep. took over you know what i guess it's the best way to avoid it huh definitely so after seizing power Idi Amman would at first claim that the military government would release political prisoners also allow back exiles which had been sent away from the country and that the military would only hold on to power until a new civilian government could be elected, though it was soon apparent that Amman would not be giving up power anytime soon. And in February, just a few weeks later, Idi Amman declared himself president of Uganda. Now, former president Milton Abode would, in fact, flee to the neighboring country of Tanzania, and this was due to a lack of allies in any Western country. Obviously, like I said, he was pissing off all of the Western countries and he didn't make enough friends in any communist countries. So gotcha. OK, I, yeah, I imagine he'd be in quite a bit of danger if he tried to just come back. Yes. Yep. He was just going to sit tight in Tanzania. And we're going to hear more from uh, our friend Milton Abode here. All right. around, so. He didn't he didn't go on to make a bunch of board games, did he? No, he did not. He, <laughs> he teamed did up not, with Bradley. <laughs> did not team up with Bradley to make Monopoly. Okay. So. All right. In July of 1971, now President Amman began purging the military of soldiers from different ethnic groups that were obviously different from his own, even massacring members of the Lango and Akali troops in the barricades of 
Jinga and Mabara Bara. And I mentioned before, Milton Abode was from the Lango. Okay. So ethnic when you group. say when you say ethnic ethnic groups, what do you mean exactly? White people or no? So no, Africa is made up of like thousands of different ethnic groups. Gotcha. There, okay. it, it's not just all African. It's, yeah. You know. Yeah. There's yeah, yeah. tons of different languages. There's tons of different like skin color, religion. Just I mean, it's almost as if. When we grew up in Cresco, there was an entirely different group of people living in Decorah. You know what I gotcha. mean? Like it's different yeah. language, different everything. So gotcha. most of them would speak English because that was like the colonial language. And most of them were under their larger king. But it was a bunch of different groups under those kings. And then under, of course, the colonial powers. Okay, so he basically just anybody he determined wasn't whatever. He just wiped them out. Yes, anyone who really wasn't in his like region or ethnic group, he would wipe out. Wipe them yeah. out. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, this was gonna become really big in the next eight years. So by 1972, five thousand soldiers had been reported missing, and this was along with twice as many civilians, many of which were considered among the country's elites, including journalists, businessmen, bankers, politicians, judges lawyers and students there were also many criminals who were killed anyone who these bands or like roving bands of soldiers wanted to take out they would take out gotcha okay so i mean this is a very uh dictatorish move right here yes yeah exactly he takes power and then immediately starts purging i mean basically all the people you listed off are people who could oppose him more or less yes yeah i mean Really, if you think of the pool in a country like this, a very up-and-coming third-world country who just gained independence, anyone really can take the reins. I mean, journalists, businessmen, bankers, politicians, judges, lawyers, students. A lot of other countries would have someone from these groups come up to take power. The only thing you're really missing is farmers, you know? Yeah, the most dangerous of them all, farmers. Of course. Well, I mean, that was, in a lot of communist countries, it was the farmers who rose up and yeah, you know. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. But they've got their pickaxes. They got they so, they've got their uh, their farming implements. So, <laughs> so like I mentioned before, Idi Amman was at one time supported by Western powers before he had taken presidency, and this was like I did mention before because of President Obote had begun nationalizing the foreign businesses really moving Uganda away from capitalism to the left, worrying about the sphere of influence from the Soviet Union. President Idi Amman, though, would soon lose that support in 1972 when he waged what he called a financial war on the South Asian businessmen and businesses, which were owned primarily by immigrants and descendants of the Indian subcontinent. Uh, this was during a time when both regions were a colony of the United Kingdom. So a lot of people from the Indian subcontinent, when Uganda was a colony, had moved to Uganda for opportunity. Mm, okay. I was going to say financial war with uh, Asian businesses sounds uh, eerily familiar to our president right now, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I they, mean, uh, these guys are from India, not China, but yeah. But I'm saying like that exact statement has been spoken the last four years. I'm not saying that he's obviously 
this bad uh, as this guy is, but it's an interesting parallel. No, yeah, you'll start to see why this Idiomon's a pretty bad figure in the country, but... Yeah, when you kill at least, what, 5,000 at least, and then I uh, 10,000 civilians, yeah, it's uh, this is a bad guy. Oh, definitely. He's responsible for hundreds of thousands of civilians' deaths and soldiers' deaths, too, so... Now, the 60,000 Asian Ugandas that were expelled from the country would flee to either the United Kingdom, United States, or many of the other Commonwealth countries around the world. After this happened, India would sever ties with the country. President Idi Amman also would nationalize British businesses as well. Idi Amman also severed ties with the country of Israel, kicking out their military advisors, turning instead to Muammar Gaddafi, of Libya, also being accused of receiving arms from the Soviet Union as well. Okay. So really, he he kind of went into the arms of all of the other strong men and formed a relationship with the Soviet Union, which is what the West was worried about with President Abodi. Interesting. And Gaddafi's is he still alive? Or did he? No, he was killed during the uprising in Libya. Okay. Isn't there another Gaddafi who's a dictator right now, or is it Gaddafi? Uh, Momar, Momar Gaddafi. It's, uh, I'm pretty sure it was just Gaddafi. He was a longtime dictator of Libya. Do you remember when the videos of him being dragged out by Libyans and killed? Do you remember those? Yeah, that wasn't that long ago, though, was it? No, that was only about a decade ago. Okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was that long ago. Who's the leader of Syria right now? The dictator guy. Oh, that's, uh, Bashar. Okay. I don't know. I know I've heard this name before, so maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Gaddafi. He's he's he was a pretty big in the in the strong men category of Africa gotcha. for a long time. Okay. So after losing support from the United Kingdom, President Idi Amman would begin goading Queen Elizabeth II, claiming that he was willing to become the King of Scotland and that for the Queen's Silver Jubilee the queen was going to be sending him a pair of her royal knickers. And I'm guessing that's underwear. Uh, I can't imagine she would agree to any of that. Yeah, pretty. I'm pretty sure that's not a usual present given to anybody by the queen. Uh, I I imagine she thought this is a prank caller at first. Yeah, I think he was just doing it to kind of... It's one of those things where everyone was saying like he was boned from the neck up. Kind of deal. Yeah. Oh, it's he kind of it, it kind of goes along with that. This yeah, is kind gonna, of I was his gonna, goading. I was gonna say he probably in his head he was like, oh, she's gonna go for this, no problem. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he was just doing it to piss her off. Uh, ah, yeah. gotcha. I don't think he thought it would work. Yeah, you never know. He seems like a bonehead. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a big strapping guy. Maybe maybe he could work something out. So in June of 1976, President Amman allowed an Air France jetliner, which had been hijacked on its way to Paris from Tel Aviv, Israel, to land at the country's largest airport. The jetliner was hijacked by Palestinian separatists in the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, and also from the Revolutionaire Zelen, which was made up of anti-Semitic West Germans. Of the passengers, the 156 non-Jewish hostages who did not hold Israeli passports were allowed to be released and flown to safety. 
while the 83 Jewish and Israeli citizens, along with 20 passengers that did not want to abandon them, were still held hostage and remained at the airport. Members of the Israeli armed forces would be flown in and seize control of the airport. In the attack, three hostages would die, with 10 more being injured, along with 45 Uganda soldiers. Also losing his life in the battle was Yanni Netanyahu. He was a member of the Israeli forces sent to liberate the hostages. He was also the brother of the former Israeli president, Benjamin Netanyahu. So that's where you heard that name before. Okay, yes, I have heard that. I thought uh, the current president is a Netanyahu. No, it's actually a different guy now. He's the former president. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, kind of dangerous to be fucking with Israel. I don't know about then, but now they have a uh, pretty big army you don't want to fuck with. Yeah, definitely. They also have some pretty powerful friends. They, (laughs) If we go into conspiracy, obviously a ton, uh, post-World War II with the Nazis and Mossad were known to fly all over the world and hunt down Nazis. These are basically the same guys, special forces from Israel. Yeah, I've, I've heard the Israeli special forces is like one of the top in the world, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it is. Basically, the Secret Service of Israel, Mossad, they're pretty fucking dangerous. Ah, so. so, well, I mean, I'm assuming this means I'm assuming the passenger, the hostages that were killed were, um, I imagine, being held with a gun to their head. And that's probably why they got murdered, right? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how the three hostages who died were killed, but in any situation like that, you have 83 Israeli citizens along with 20 passengers, so that's 93. So nine dying out of 93 with 10 injured. I mean, that's yeah. it's bad, but it's, you know, really but, the but, losses could have been much worse. And they had one soldier, and did they end up murdering 45 soldiers, Ugandan soldiers? Yes, yep. They ended Jesus. up taking out 45 Ugandan soldiers. Yikes. Yeah, they're, uh, that's a scary army force right there. Oh, yeah, definitely. And to only lose one guy yeah. the, of the attacking forces. Yeah, that's crazy. So one of the hostages, a 75-year-old woman named Dora Birch, who was a Jewish-English woman, she had been actually taken to the hospital shortly before the raid. She would be killed in reprisal after the airport raid that had freed the rest of the hostages. So they basically had her off at a hospital to take care of her, but then killed her after the raid. So when did this guy morph into fucking Adolf Hitler all of a sudden? Really, he, I mean, it was, like I mentioned the purging. He's been doing this purging all along. He's also been nationalizing businesses, getting in close, getting arms from Soviet Union and other countries. I mean, he's been drawing up to this point the entire time. I'll yeah. also mention that he's also faced a lot of coup attempts against him. I so, would imagine so. He seems like a real asshole. Yes. Yeah. Slowly but surely, he's been losing power over the past. Since he started, really, he's been losing power. He started off with a shit ton of power in the military. And then slowly but surely, it starts going down and down. Mm, gotcha. In 1978... President Amman had expanded the Ugandan military from 10,000 now to over 25,000. And he drew mostly from the south of Sudan, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and especially from his own ethnic group, the Kakwas. Now, these troops sought out and killed 
or arrested hundreds of thousands of Ugandas, mainly in an attempt just to seize their assets. So it was really just a roving band of fucking highwaymen and pirates, really. It's fucked up. Yeah. And I mean, they were all from different, a lot of them were from different countries. So it was as if a bunch of mercenaries from different countries were coming in and robbing the people. So fucked up. Yeah. Due to Amon's cleansing of the armed forces, he remained president after, like I said before, many coup attempts, though his enemies would be growing in numbers and his allies would shrink. And this was because of the devastation of the loss of trade and business from his country, which really led to financial ruin of the Ugandan economy. Like I mentioned before, he waged the financial war. Really because of that, they lost a lot of business and he was never able to build it back up. Now, this loss of power culminated when after a 1978 invasion of Tanzania by his troops, they were chasing mutineers who were loyal to Amman's political rival, Ugandan Vice President General Mustafa Adrizi, and they chased these mutineers all the way across the Tanzanian border. President Idi Amman first claimed that this was all just a miscommunication, and really it's just an attempt to gain face to claim that he was not the one who wanted the invasion, but then later would claim that the invasion was all planned after initial results from the invasion were a success. He even tried to annex some land from Tanzania after the invasion. However, shortly after the invasion, Tanzanian forces, along with some of the Ugandans who had been exiled from the country, would soon make a counteroffensive and began spilling back into the country, forcing Idi Amman to flee in exile by helicopter. First, he went to Libya, then Saudi Arabia, where he would eventually die in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia in 2003 of kidney failure. It is estimated that between 100,000 and 500,000 people were murdered under the Amman regime. And this was along with the abductions and the force taken against the Ugandan people. Jesus, that is so many fucking people. Holy hell. Um, yeah, I... I figured this guy was going, thought he was bigger than his britches and then overstepped his bounds and then got his ass kicked. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just, it just, like I said, it just over six years just built up and built up to this point where in a country of, I think only 12 million people at the time, five, like 100,000 to five, they're not even sure exactly the number, but 100,000 to 500,000 people were murdered. And that's insane. The, the economy was just devastated, too, by his mismanagement. So, I mean, I could be wrong, and I have I see you're going to go deeper into this, but uh, so it seems like Uganda, prior to him taking over, was actually really, really on the up and up, strong, stable financial country, I guess. I don't know how to say that, but uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, it was a British colony, part of the British system, so it's going to do pretty well under that system. What could have happened uh, basically after independence was they take what they had, you know, all of the all of the western backing and all of the businesses and you basically try to elevate everything. You try to get more Ugandans into business. You try to try to get more kind of like what the hope is for your country after independence. The problem is it was just taken the completely opposite way. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's too bad. 
Yeah, by these, basically by these two men. And you're going to see one of them come back, actually. Yeah. Possibly even Idiomon tried to come back uh, several times also. But he, like I said, died in 2003. Between 78 and 2003, he also tried to come back. Ah, what an asshole. Yeah. So after the ouster of now former president Idi Amin, former president Milton Abode would return from exile and rejoin his party, the Uganda People's Party, in which he won the vote and won power to control the government, once again becoming prime minister, uh, though the opposition claimed that the election was rigged. After President Abode resumed his now presidency, the National Resistance Army, which was led by Yoweri Museveni, waged a guerrilla war against the Obote regime. This would become known as the Ugandan Bush War, which claimed another estimated 100,000 to 500,000 civilians and soldiers' lives and was fought between the guerrillas of the National Resistance Army and the pro-regime Ugandan National Liberation Army. So this is like a, right after, you know, Idi Amman's terror, then they had a yep. civil war in the country. Yes, Yep, pretty much just immediately after when Abode came back, the election was possibly rigged, supposedly rigged, and just immediately this National Resistance Army started fighting against, you know, another acronym, the NLA, the National Liberation Army, and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people would die. Well, it's funny because that's the first thing that came to my mind, like, it didn't seem like President Abode was that popular after he got ousted or whatever, took over. Uh, so it seems a little fishy. Like, who the hell is going to vote for this guy? Yeah, after he was ousted in the early 1970s, 1971, it said that there was a lot of people who were cheering that Milton Abode was out of power. So, I mean, really, if you think about it, Idi Amman was so much worse than a Bodhi. Maybe it's one of those situations where, like right now, everyone thought George Bush was so terrible, but then after four years of Trump, you know, right, people are starting to look at him in a good light. So, <sighs> well, I think people are in that scenario. I know what you mean, but I think in that scenario, they're like, hold on a minute. I think it was actually Dick Cheney who was the asshole. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, now that we look back, we realize that Bush wasn't really I, that I, in power. I so. feel like the comparing these two would be like, okay, we've got a pile of turds over here, but we got a pile of turds with some sprinkles on the top. The sprinkles on the top looks a lot better than just a regular pile of turds. So uh, maybe that's what's going on here. Pretty much, yeah. yeah I mean, one in comparison, this guy looks like fucking a saint. Yeah. So on July 27th, 1985, President Abode, and just like in his first regime, would be removed from power via a military coup from his own generals, though they did eventually give up government control. And this was to Yauri Museveni, who would become president of Uganda. Remember, I said Museveni was leader of the National Resistance mm -hmm. Army. Mm -hmm. So it is estimated that Milton Abode was responsible for the deaths of another 300,000 civilians across Uganda, uh, with one of the worst atrocities occurring in the Luari Triangle, which is a group of Ugandan districts uh, just north of the capital. Uh, this is where mostly the Bush Wars took place. Many of the residents were forced to flee their homes. This was because they were being forcibly recruited 
to both armies or being killed by both sides of the fighting. Now, why why did they call it the Bush War? It doesn't have anything to do with the president, right? <laughs> I think it's just because of the like the African Bush, like the kind of gotcha. like what the brain looked like maybe gotcha okay okay i just wanted to double check because that's where my mind came in and i believe he would have been in power right now or oh yeah the older bush would have been vice president at that point okay okay yeah reagan would have been in charge during the early 80s gotcha so milton abode would then flee again to kenya then eventually zambia Uh, He would remain the leader of the Ugandan People's Congress, though in September 2005, he would claim that he was returning to Uganda by the end of that year. Though on October 10th, 2005, Milton Abode would die. This was as a result of kidney failure in Johannesburg, South Africa. So a a second leader dying of kidney failure. What? uh, Okay. So are you speculating maybe... There is, I don't know, and it's either an assassin or it's something they're eating in Uganda or drinking, maybe. Yeah, so it's a little weird that you have two leaders who were both ousted and out of the country dying of kidney failure. Yeah. Within two years of each other. Yeah, that is a little strange. But then again, I don't really know of a poison that would do it to you. But then again, 2000s, uh, they got some sneaky devices out there, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It just it really seemed odd to me that both of these men died of kidney failure. And especially this was a month after uh, a Bodhi claimed that he would be coming back to the country. So well, clearly someone didn't want him to. Now, I want to ask, is the new leader, uh, Yauri, if I'm saying that right, is he yeah. not an asshole like the other two? Uh, I'll get into it a little bit. Okay, okay. Uh, he's, he's kind of like on the fence, but compared to the other two guys... He might as well be a fucking saint. So, okay, all right. So a Bodhi would be given a state funeral in Uganda's capital city of Kampala. This was to dis- the dismay of many of the survivors of the Luweri Triangle. This funeral was attended by former rival Yauri Museveni, who was still president of Uganda. Museveni is now 76 years old. He is still the president of Uganda after 34 years in office. He sounds like a dictator himself. Yeah, he's even done some things to end term limits. He's also done some things to end the maximum age that a president can be. So his presidency has been checkered, let's just say the least. Uh, it's been mostly it's been mostly peaceful. There's been a lot of human rights violations. Uh, it's a lot of other bad shit kind of sprinkled in there. Obviously, nowhere near as bad as the 20 years between 1966 and 1986 that made up the Abodi and Amin regimes. He's done some things to help get rid of the AIDS epidemic. He's also done a lot of bad shit against the like the LGBT community. He basically made it illegal to be gay and illegal to not turn someone in for being gay. So there's a lot of that shit, too. <sighs> Which well, is kind of like per usual for a lot of these African countries. Well, I was going to say, uh, to be honest, there's a lot of countries, not just in Africa, but all around the world, that just they can't get over the anti-gay sediment. I imagine this man has a lot of really barbaric beliefs as well 
Uh, so yeah, I don't. This is just really sad. Uh, the the country's basically had. I it's been really bad for a very long time there. Very long time. Yeah, I mean he's so he's been president for thirty four years in office. They don't really claim that he's rigged the elections, but it's kind of speculated that he may have at certain points to stay in power. There hasn't been obviously any big uh, mass killings since he's been in office. So his grade from like the the world peace organizations are a lot better than the guys before him. So it's really a low bar to jump over though. When you look at the other two guys. Right. Right. Yeah. This is, uh, it's pretty fascinating. I, maybe I've heard some of these names, but don't remember them, but I didn't realize how fucking bad that shit was. That is so many dead people. Yeah, really. I mean, it started to turn around the year that we were born. So if we would have been born in like the late 50s, we would probably have heard all about a lot of this shit on the news, though they really didn't have the 24 hour news networks and the Internet to give them all of the news. So I doubt that a lot of even our parents had heard like a lot of this shit that was going on in these countries. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, what's ironic, though, Phil, and I'm not making this up. So I was I think I was reading book or something before bed last night, and I don't know if it was a podcast or like a book series or audio book series or something. And it was all about dictators. And I remember seeing and I was like, you know what? I bet that is really fucking interesting. And now, lo and behold, here you are giving us all a history lesson about uh, two bastards for lack of a better term there uh so ha what do you know synchronicity there i guess if you want to say that yeah i was really i've been wanting to do kind of like dictators kind of like how they took power what the things that they did for a long time but i decided like it wouldn't be obviously you could go with like mao or you could go with hitler stalin uh pol pot all of these guys kind of like the upper tier guys But I was thinking, like, maybe it'd be more interesting to go into some of the lower tier ones that you haven't really heard of. Right. And I mean, these guys have killed million, you know, over a million of Ugandans. And, you know, it's not saying that they didn't do really horrible stuff. But when you when you add up the numbers and put them against like Pol Pot and Mao and just the millions and millions of people who were killed in those countries, they don't really add up as high, but they still did terrible fucking shit to these people. So, Oh, absolutely. Also, I just want to say, when you say Pol Pot, the only thing I can envision is that man's like the governor of Georgia. I yeah, don't know why, because it reminds me of Pol Pork for some reason. Um, and honestly, I don't even know who that guy is. Who is that guy? So I'm going to do an episode probably in a couple of weeks on him. Okay. But he is, uh, so he's the former dictator of Cambodia. And oh, just, just okay. asshole of the first order. So yeah, okay. All you have to say is that, and uh, I'm assuming that has a lot to do with the Cambodian killing fields. Um, so there's that. Uh, yeah. Uh, honestly, this is great because unfortunately, there's the stark reality that conspiracy theories in general have a you know finite amount. So. It's great that Phil likes to take us on these history lessons, learning about some uh, fucked up shit that's went on. And honestly, you can, you know, if you if you squint your eyes hard enough, you can see the conspiracy of them rigging the election or them dying of mysterious kidney failure. So there's that as well. I'm sure people will like this. Honestly, 
regardless of people say it, uh, everybody loves a good history lesson. Yeah, so there's also some conspiracy, really, that I didn't go into with the new president. Well, you know, 34 years he's been president. <laughs> but the guy who took over, whenever he is, can, like, whenever anyone says that he's trying to do anything bad or tries to say that he rigged elections or there was one instance where there was a president of a neighboring country who was killed in a, a helicopter owned by the Ugandan military. He was killed in one of those. And he claimed that anyone who was like any journalists that were writing stories about it or anyone who was saying that it was because of the government was a conspiracy theorist and would throw them in jail. So. Ah, okay. Well, that sounds uh, mildly suspicious if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. They don't exactly have a habeas corpus fucking, you know, laws in those countries. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was great, Phil. Thanks so much. I've never heard of those. Like I said, uh, I think a lot of people appreciate that. Um, we got to, we got to do this first here. We got to thank all of our patrons. We got to thank our newest patron, uh, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. I currently have our specialty cards made up and ready to send to all of our current patrons. I'll probably mail them out uh, tomorrow, which is the 5th. So you'll probably get them uh, maybe later this week or next week. I think they're really neat. I hope everybody enjoys them. It's basically one side of it is a custom artwork that I made. Um, and I, I think it'll be really cool. Otherwise, Phil and I are going to try to do once a week, at least every two weeks, a Patreon bonus episode, which is just kind of a banter session. Phil and I talk about whatever, uh, just random shit, conspiracy stuff, political issues, yada, yada, yada. It's just kind of a fun time, aliens, things we want to happen, things that's going on in our life, you know, just wherever the conversation leads us. I think it's uh, a lot of fun, and that is a vid video, um, what do they call that here? <laughs> Oh, a video Patreon episode? Well, okay, so video platform. Video platform, oh, yeah. that is what I was looking for. Like, this is an audio platform that's a video platform. There you go. So uh, thank you so much. If you want to sign up, you just type in patreon.com slash subliminaldeception, or you can go to our website, subliminaldeception.com, and there's a link that will take you directly there if you're having trouble finding it. Uh, thank you so much for supporting us. Along with supporting us, Phil, where can they contact us if they would like to? Oh, yeah. They can get a hold of us on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, it's great to hear from people. Uh, gotten quite a few emails before the holiday season, so thanks for those. They can also hit us up on our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Probably the best way to get a hold of us. Uh, Cody and I also have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is SDPodPhil. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow my personal one at Cody Zabub. Uh Just follow me on there. Uh, when I have time, I post funny conspiracy-related memes or just other things like that. Uh, the last thing we need you guys to do, if you, are, if you are an iTunes user, please log on and leave the show a five-star review. It doesn't really matter what you say. You could say, uh, fuck you guys. Uh, just make sure it's five stars. If you're a Spotify user, just hit that follow button. That is a apparently like an itunes review for spotify also you'll be you know notified when you drop the newest episode otherwise guys i hope you enjoyed this little journey down history lane with uh, phil and i and we will see you next week thanks guys 